Whoa. Be a step by step guide. Cool. Hi, Phyllis and Vera. Hey. Hello, Michelle and Yola. Hey. Oh, hi, Benedict. Well, <clears throat> greetings to all those who have greeted the greetings of the other greeters today. And welcome, Teresa and Molly Rusnak. We're saying welcome to the people who uh, haven't yet spoken out. So if you haven't spoken out, Please go ahead. Marek Merlo. Out. <laughs> yes, hello. I've, um, what? I don't know what you mean with spoken out, but I, uh, I said hi last time and I appreciate to say hi this time again. I will have um, a friend who's part of our sharing group. He's going to sit on this chair in, I think, one or two minutes. He's going to ring, so I'll let him come in. Welcome, friend, who's going to sit on this chat. Yes. Other, other uh, newsy items or sharings from anybody in the field here? I held space yesterday for the first time as a possibility, pronounce it for me, possibilitator for an emotional healing process. Yay. Was it, was it accidental or on purpose? It was on purpose and I felt very honored. How did the client feel? <laughs> I was the recipient and I felt joy at, at what, at, at the space that Callista held for me. I feel joy. This is really. Thank you. So I, I think that's the first of many, Calista. First of many. Yeah. Anybody else? I want to tell people about how I'd like to share that. Uh, Nicole, go first, and then Janet. Thank you. I was just um, with, with Clinton and Vera, we were creating experiments for the noticing website 
and and then I had like 10 minutes to make myself some food and I was noticing what I was noticing and what I was noticing what I hadn't been noticing and all the different ways to notice and I feel so glad about this website and I can't wait for everyone to see it and start doing the experiments. Thank you. It brings me a lot of joy to think about how I can share this with anybody, all of the stuff that I'm learning. And in the beginning, it was about just feel your feelings, feel the pain. And I could spend, I thought to myself, I could spend a lifetime just doing that. Like if I just did that for the rest of my life, wow, that would be amazing. And now I've stumbled upon like this next thing that I'm doing, which is just receive feedback and like, let it come in, <laughs> just let it come in. And I stopped, I stopped all my kind of arguing or like defending more than anything and listened and stopped looking at how they're saying things or they're in low drama or whatever judgy shit I was doing. And just like, what are they telling me that's gold? And I began to like accept it, like really truly accept it and, and tell them like, thank you so much. And, and I, this is what I'm hearing you're telling me about me. And I so value you telling me this. It's something some, very simple. It's noticing how the entire conversation shifted. And then yesterday, someone gave me feedback that I've been hearing for a long time that I never let come into me, which was, you know, you seem like you're always so busy and I don't want to be a nuisance, they told me, and contact you. And I've heard this before. And I thought, and I thought of a question we often ask in this group, what am I up to? What is that about? And as I began to like look at it, something that I'd never done before, the tears and the sadness around. I mean, there's just so many stories. Um, my value, my like, but also it's me not wanting to be responsible and let people know what my boundaries are, not wanting to have that conversation. I'd rather them just think I'm really busy and not have to deal with me being honest with them. I'm avoiding tons of shit. And if I, like, and then I think to myself, if I just spend the rest of my life receiving feedback, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> like that's work in itself. And it brings me a lot of joy. Um, so that right now for the last three weeks, I've just been an open vessel for feedback. And this person who um, she did, I got, a, I got a message today from someone who two years ago called Child Protective Services on my family. And then she went online and like blasted my name and I lost friends and all this. And today I get a message from her. I haven't even read it yet, but I'm like, thank you universe. Thank you, Echo. Okay, I'm listening to the feedback. So thank you. Thank you, Janet. Yes. Does anybody help? One more thing to add in before we dive into the book for a while. Yes, I would like to say something. I've had, I've participated in seven emotional healing processes since Tuesday. Four I've received and three I've given. <clears throat> and 
what's coming up for me is it's not only emotional healing process, it's an emotional hearing process because I'm able to hear subtle things I, I wasn't able to hear before and smell subtle smells. And I noticed that the register of my voice is changing, it's deepening. And it's, the space is expanding and it's all interconnected. And the, the processes that, that I've held space for have served me so powerfully that I'm in awe. My philosophy of life is to stay in awe and improvise. Yes, and yes, and yes. <laughs> uh, I've, I've watched a couple of the recorded processes. I just want to say like, I'm so grateful to, to you who, who step up and allow yourself to be in that and be recorded and serve us through your, through your work. Thank you. Yeah. I studied and listened for four hours before doing the EHP and the videos was very helpful. Mm. Yeah, great. God, yeah, I'm, I'm still in pain. I was, I was, I was with Kian last year in a process and about a quarter of the way through the internet crashed on this side. And as it finally came back together again, we, we went through this amazing journey together and I, I forgot to push the record button. And it's just like, ah, it's uh, just, I still feel the pain of that. It was, but I'm so glad, like you said, that there's, there's uh, we're getting a chance to share really amazing stuff. And it also at the same time, we're getting a chance to share these kind of stuck places or this tar pits or the swamp or the indefinable confusion resistances that emerge in a space and how to be with that and how to, there's no, you know, like I said before, and you'll discover yourself, there is no method to possibility coaching, but there is a context and there is, a, there's a, there's so much uh, <clears throat> to, to learn about um, entering and navigating and creating possibility in the possibility coaching spaces. So I'm hoping that more and more of you uh, try this out, you know, like Kalista did, like you just try it out and try offering what you can to whoever sits across from you. And I, I think you'll be, I think you'll be surprised at how certain forces show up in your space, which we've come to call bright principles, for example, or your archetypal lineage, even if you don't know what that is, these forces can show up in the space and provide mm, influences or, or some kind of 
I don't know, the force, you know, the magical force shows up. It's just nonlinear possibility emerges in the most unexpected moments. And if you can go along the, the suddenly opened up pathway that wasn't there just an instant, instant before, and that new territories are really to, there to, to be discovered and that we can share these on these videos. It's almost, it's very legendary. It's legend making, it's legendary. It's like, and I'm going, okay, we're only going to do a hundred of these and we're already at 22. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. And Chloe's working out the next newsletter for general memetics <clears throat> and it will be an, an invitation for people to participate in the project of getting these things online recorded. But if you, if you look down on the Create Possibility website page, you'll discover that there are some boxes in, uh, set up for different languages. So the websites don't exist yet, but if uh, it's also valuable, incredibly valuable, if, you're, if you speak other languages to hold and navigate possibility coaching processes, the emotional healing processes in different languages, we'll just put them up on these other, other websites because that, that's also been re really valuable. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, we're waiting for space holders and a team. We're waiting for a team of three, four, five possibility coaches in a particular language to join up and take a stand for uh, doing that. So if you can get yourselves together I saw some Spanish speakers putting your hands up and I don't know what other languages you guys speak, but that would be great. German, different things, Polish. Yes, great. Anything else right now? Thank you, Clinton Callahan. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you. Team. And can you hear me? No, get closer or speak up, um, whoever that is. Hello, hello? Yes, that's good. Okay, great. I'm very happy because I put up an, a Spanish ad about for a free introduction into emotional intelligence, I'm calling it, because I think that sounds good to many people. And people have been reacting really enthusiastically. I'm doing it in exchange for recording it, and then I'll be using it for other stuff that I'm doing. Jennifer, together with um, a woman named Helen, who was in an expanded box, have started, um, did a, uh, a workshop about creating intimacy in Spanish. And it's very exciting to see the thought we're arriving here in, in Latino land. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Great. <clears throat> Yes, yeah, so if you want to, if you want to combine that with the uh, project that we've got going, we have a space where that can happen. So just let me know. Good. Could everybody take a deep breath, please? Make sure you have your. Find out where your center is, where your where you've been keeping your center, put your attention on your center, use your intention to move your center back onto your physical center, which is at three fingers below your navel in the middle of your body. 
once you have your center, your energetic center on your physical center, there's a sensation that you can feel called being centered. And that's home. It's the beginning of home. So get used to having that centeredness as your home and get begin to notice when you don't have that, that you're not at home somehow in yourself. And so as soon as you don't notice that, that you, you're missing that, then go grab your attention wherever it is. It can be in the future, or in the past, on some external authorities, on your worries and your mind and your stories and all these things. Move it on to your physical center. Then as soon as it's there, use your clicker and drop a cord between your center in your physical body to the middle of the earth. And that grounding cord should be about five centimeters in diameter and flexible, and it will be some color. So at the count of three, if you would just say out loud the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three. Green. Green. Thank you. And click your clicker one more time and make this bubble of energetic space. It's a distinction. It's a bubble around you that's a distinction between your personal bubble of space and everybody else's space. So you click your clicker and you make that bubble around yourself. Inside is your space. And outside is everybody else's space. And while you're at it, if you reach into your bag of things, which is a, an energetic bag of things hanging at your belt and pull out a golden ball of your own concentrated energy and information and drop it at the top of your spine and have it go down, it'll fall down and it'll hit your center and pop open. And it'll fill up your body and your bubble with your own energy and information from all time and all space. At the same time that you fill it up with your own energy, it pushes out other people's energy that might happen to be in your space. How do you know if you have somebody else's energy in your space? It's easy. You have a conversation going on with them in your mind. Did anybody today notice that you had a conversation going on in your mind with somebody else? Did anybody notice that? Okay. So that's somebody else's energy in your space. And in, it's psychically etiquette to send that energy back where it belongs. It's their energy. You just let it go back to where it belongs. And so the, let's do that again. Reach in your bag of things, pull out a golden pearl of your own energy and information, hold it over your head, let go, sinks right down in, hits your center, pops open, and sends that energy back to that person so they can have their energy back. And so that you have your own space filled up with your own energy and information that you, that you need, that's yours. And while we're doing all this, you don't have to do this part, but I do one more click and I hold a golden square, a cube of energy that includes all of us, all around the world. So I don't even have any idea what that space looks like because there's people here from all over the world and it just kind of goes proing and it goes out there. And because I declare this energetic space includes all of us, 
then that's the shape that it takes. And I don't have to know in my mind what shape that is. I just know that I get to be in this space with you guys and you get to be in this space with each other and me. And we're all in this space together and I am holding that space. And a number of you are also helping to hold that space. And I appreciate that a lot. I just need to tell you, I appreciate your space holding for this space because it, it doesn't really disappear for me very much anyway during the week. I'm quite uh, aware of this space as being part of my world. And so I don't know if that happens for you also, but I really appreciate this, this delicate and powerful transformational learning space, this journey that we're on together. I appreciate that a lot as an element of my world. And I thank you all for helping to hold that space with me and helping each other hold that space. And I hope, uh, and Chloe was explaining me, I don't know if she's on here right now, but are you on here, I Chloe? Am. I am. Excellent. Could you, could you explain that thing you're explaining to me about these, these multiple circles and how they interact? Could you, could you explain that to everybody? Ooh, yes. This also come from Vera. We had a call yesterday about the emergence of we were talking about the trainer path, but it also applies to possibility management. And that in, as we work in circles, when my sense is that if there's on, the same space holder for the same circle kind of ongoingly, it can, it can easily create a hierarchy where the space holder is the quote unquote authority figure. But when, and, but, and that would be fixed. And so there's one circle in America and one circle in Germany and one circle in uh, Poland or New Zealand, whatever, but in terms of the trainer path. But what I've noticed in this game world of possibility management is that their circles overlap, like all our circles overlap in that most of you are in so many different circles with so many different people and you hold space for each other and the space will, there's changes. And so this is like the free, 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 and there's some women circles that have emerged and the start over game and uh, the trainer path, the rage clubs, the emotional healing processes, like all of those are unique circles that are all overlapping over each other. And, and for me, the, like one of the results that shows up is that then we get Phyllis and Vera in the same place or Michelle and Yule and there's Gwen is even there. And, and I mean, so many people have traveled to different screens over the past, like, like 10 months or how many months we've been together and and we've been holding space for e for each other and so that it it collapses this idea of authority or hierarchy and and then this emergence network um yeah gets to be born something like that thank you <clears throat> and I want to what, share along something. those lines. Um, yes, because I was so glad the other day I was in the trainer path Germany meeting and like we did a three minutes rage and Michelle was holding space for our emotional healing process in the next room and I was not fully going into because I was scared to disturb her healing process. 
then all of a sudden her healing process got really, really big and really loud. And then I was scared, like, oh, it's going to disturb our room. And what I got is feedback from the other trainers was like, oh, God, Yula, that's so cool. The transformation is just going on, like, in where you are in the next room. And it's like, it's overlapping everywhere and everyone is just happy about it. And for me, it changed my, I'm scared of disturbing to, wow, I'm glad of, like, that circus combine and it's just like learning happening at the same time. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing and play. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I wanted, I would like to share how uh, in a, one of the emotional healing processes that is not yet online, but will come up soon uh, with Patrizio, he, we, we got into this consideration of, of the how to disengage or how to upgrade thoughtware from the patriarchal hierarchical structures that we've been born and raised in, even our families, you know, even the church, even the school, even the, and it, it turned into a big deal in this conversation. And I think it has to turn into a big deal for both men and women to unroot themselves from this construct because we have learned how to find a niche for ourselves, like a safe niche for ourselves in hierarchical structures. So we, we have learned how to manipulate those above us, how to position ourselves and force ourselves, force them to behave in ways that support us. And we've also figured out ways to get things from the people below us in the hierarchy so that we can be positioned to be in a safe place. And so it's almost as if, as if th we have these unspoken tools and skills that we've developed for thriving in a hierarchical structure, secretly manipulating and being adaptive or being uh, dominant and controlling or being all, all these negotiations that go on in the hierarchical structure, this has given us our a, a base for some kind of safe life or, or life. And who are we in a world where none of those skills or tools function anymore? Who are we when it's not does not work from our position to manipulate people above us or below us or in the same level in another position? How can we threaten them? How can we manipulate them when none of that works anymore? And it turned into a pretty scary thing. Pretty, you know, the fear that comes out is, well, I'm going to have to sleep under a bridge. I won't have a way I won't have a way to uh, support myself in a world where, where <clears throat> all the tools that I've learned since childhood don't function anymore. And so this, the journey that we went on in the here was to go, what is it like in this multiple circled, uh, inter, interdependent circles in archaearchy and next culture? And it became a discovery about the cloud, about the field, 
that actually the game worlds or organizations, the projects that we build together, that we the way that we work together are they they are fields. It's a field effect. It's a cloud. And so because it doesn't have this solid structure, then it's it's not so easy to tell when somebody is in or out. It because in a in a hierarchy, it's so important who's in, what's their position, who's out, what what do we, you know, what do we have to protect ourselves from with those people who are out, the in and out, and how do you get in and how are you kicked out thing is a is a dominant um, set of factors in the hierarchical structure, but in, in archiarchy, in this intertwined, interdepending, interrelating circles that creates this field and this flux field, this cloud, the, the people coming in and going out, isn't, it isn't so rigid. It's not a rigid thing. <clears throat> I was just talking to a friend in New Zealand who's trying to build a game world for a particular decision-making process. And he, he, he sent me the game world design and it was completely, it included, essentially it included copyrighted material. It included a fee, like a monthly participation fee. And if you participate with this fee, then you get this level of, of, um, of services and access to different materials, for resources, for example. And if you pay a different fee, you get different access and different resources. And then if you stop paying, well, then that's cut off. And the whole, the whole game world is built up on this, tech, on this hierarchical modern culture uh, payment plan. And um, I took a Gatling gun to his, his um, game world design and uh, completely destroyed it in comparison to the fact that he's a next culture man. Like he's, he's a next culture man except for his hierarchical addiction, his addiction to the hierarchy game world. And he, he was first, he wrote me back this amazing email. He said at first, at first, I was so excited to get your information. And then, you know, Clinton wrote to me and he gave me his ideas. And then he started to hate me because he was so angry. He wanted to defend himself and attack me. And then he went into this liquid state. And then he started to integrate some of the distinctions and the possibilities. And a whole new field up opened up for him of a way, ways to build game worlds that we're in the, the field effect and this cloud effect, and that there are other values being exchanged besides currencies like money in a, in a copy left open code thoughtware game world. And he got completely ecstatic and he couldn't hardly stop typing and he says, and he loves me again. So anyway, so, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying this is a very beginning. This is such a beginning of of uh, what's possible in archaearchy and we are the ones you guys are the ones we're the ones to build to explore and build up and uh, create vocabulary for how to speak about these things and so this has become more and more apparent that 
next culture doesn't have vocabulary for certain kinds of ecstasies. So there, like modern culture has a lot of ecstasy words to describe things that feed the gremlin, that are shadow world ecstasies. So any kind of gremlin feeding is a shadow world ecstasy like greed, competition, resentment, guilt, shame, blame, superiority, arrogance, deception, betrayal, blah, blah, blah. There's this huge list of these ecstasies that we go in when we're feeding our gremlin. But if you go on the other side of the map of possibility and you start going, okay, well, what are the ecstasies that you can have by taking radical responsibility? You can feel good about yourself. That doesn't go very far before you start going, being arrogant or, you know, I'm better than you or something like that. And so we started, uh, Nicole just put up a, a website where we started to, uh, define new vocabulary to describe ecstasies uh, that that modern culture does not have words for. So these are archiarchy terminology. So if you go on that link, you'll see about 15 or so, 20 maybe, new words that I never heard of before, but that make total sense. And they describe experiences that are so true and so nurturing for us that that you'll go oh yeah we just never had a word for this before oh yeah and one of the one of the ecstasies i think it's called um uh jargonia i think it's called jargonia this this ecstasy of making up new jargon the ecstasy of bringing distinctions out of the void into usable platform where we can talk to each other and there's different people who know what it's like, who know what it feels like, this ecstasy of inventing terminology to, to communicate in ways that we couldn't even talk before. So it's a, it's a, so if you, if you happen to have other uh, terminologies and definitions, send them over, uh, they'll eventually find their way into the distinctionary, but we'll just compile them in a list on this website first. But it's um, part of, one of the ecstasies is this thing that Anne Chloe was just describing is an ecstasy of being in multiple functioning collaborative next culture circles at the same time and the stability of the cloud, the, the, the incredible amount of resources and intelligence and energy that's available through these interconnections and interflowing energy it's like you can you can ask a whole you can ask almost impossible requests. I mean, I think that's one reason, for example, why Vera is sitting next to Phyllis right there somewhere in Eugene, Oregon. And it's like, okay, how did that happen? Well, there was needs and desires and possibilities, and all of a sudden they are there. And so there's uh, Jeff Shub last last Monday put out this invitation that he has. There's this whole uh, section of the jungle in, in Northwest Costa Rica that he's living in and, and he's waiting for, he's inviting people to come co-create co that space. Co it's actually a, a nano nation. So they're, they're, they're moving towards creating a nano nation in Northwest Costa Rica, who's in? You know, like that's a, that is an impossible request. People don't even in general know what a, 
a nano nation is, and people essentially only go would go to someplace like Costa Rica for vacation, after which time they have to go back to their job in the corporate world to make enough money to live, like this whole worldview like that. And there's all these other possibilities emerging through the, the field and the cloud of these inter uh, dynamic circles. And these people are kind of like, we are each a kind of a, uh, uh, it? it's, not, it's not a free radical, it's like a, a roving neutrino or something. I don't know, we have this possibility of flowing in multiple kinds of ways in and out of the different circles being fed and feeding, like through this exchange of clarity and possibility and all your services, what you, your true value. It's an exchange cloud of your true value that we've been setting up around the world. And I just encourage us, everybody to really participate in that in whatever way you can, because it's, uh, you get this ecstasy that we don't have a word for yet. That is this ecstasy of being in the stable, creative cloud exchange of multiple circles at the same time. There's some, some circlodion, circlo, I don't know what it is. Something. I think it's called nature. Nature. I think it's modeled on nature, but the, the word for the ecstasy of it, I mean, nature usually means running around naked. Say, I'm experiencing the ecstasy of nature. They know that you went to a nude beach, so. That's something different. <laughs> it's a different world. <clears throat> Anything from anybody else at this point? Carola. Yes, I have a question now that you spoke about nature and hi hierarchy. Um, is the aim of possibility management like go back to nature and live more from the inside to the outside and not doing what they want us to do? Or is it even a step more so that us being human beings can do more than that? I mean, I saw a monkey uh, documentary and there are a lot of fights about hierarchy. So I asked myself, what is the aim of possibility management? I think that's a very fine question because possibility management has no aim. Possibility management is a cloud. It's an evolving cloud of distinctions, tools, processes, thought maps, thoughtware that are emerge from a context of radical responsibility. And that it doesn't have an aim, what it, but it does have an effect. So if you start participating in and exploring and developing the field of possibility management, you, your, up, your thoughtware starts to upgrade and you build matrix in your energetic, in your being, you actually build matrix in your being to hold more distinctions. And that has this automatic mechanical effect that you become more aware of stuff that you weren't aware that you were not aware of before. So that if you participate, if you engage possibility management over the years, we've noticed that this was happening and now we're able to speak about it. We made enough distinctions and maps that we can, we can talk about what does it mean to build matrix? 
What does it mean to upgrade your thoughtware? These kinds of things. And what does it mean to create possibility? So these are all, this is all a side effect of exploring and helping to co-create and develop the field of possibility management further, deeper, wider. Thank you. Does that help you? Yes, yeah. You. So it, it's a game world of open code copyleft thoughtware that we all contribute together to be clouducted, clouducted, something like that. I just saw it on the on the sharing that um, it happens. It happens to you, and <laughs> it's dangerous. I mean, it's scary because when you start using the new distinctions you behave differently, your behavior changes. You're much less likely to appreciate low drama and much more likely to appreciate high drama, et cetera, et cetera. And so people around you will notice that your behavior is changing because you're more aware of the consequences of your actions, for example, and that you can detect purpose and you can notice what you're noticing and what you're not noticing, et cetera, et cetera. You can pay attention to your attention. All these new possibilities develop because of the distinctions and your friends will notice that your behavior is changing and your awareness is changing. And so some people love to be in this, in the experience of the evolutionary experience of upgrading your thoughtware. Some people love the, the experience of the, the evolution of their consciousness. And some people hate it. So this is a, a personal preference question. And it's if you get down to personal preferences, there's no, you can't really argue about it. There's no argument about if pesto sauce is better than mushroom sauce on spaghetti. You know, that that is a matter of taste. And so a preference thing. And everybody has different kinds of hobbies. So the people who gather together in possibility management seem to have a common hobby, which is direct personal at-risk participation in the evolution of consciousness, because that's what happens when you develop and explore possibility management. So if you don't like that hobby, then you probably won't be attracted to this. And if you love this hobby, then you have some new friends. And so uh, that's so, but the possibility management itself is not a sect or a cult that has an aim or has, it's just a field of distinctions, thought maps, processes that we're all co-creating together and through radical responsibility. It's a next culture game world. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your question, Carol. Thank you. Anything else from anybody else right now? I see Doris and Eula, I think. Go ahead, Doris. Yes, because I'm, I'm long already in that field. And right now here in Costa Rica, it's like uh, I'm cleaning and clearing and sending back energies and, and experiencing a lot. And it feels like some, some of my essence wanna come out. And I'm right now exploring where I'm going. And 
I was always interested in the trainer pass, but all, every time when I look into the trainer pass org thing, there's such a lot of to do. And I have that fear of that it would be too much. And the, the, I get rid here in Costa Rica of that force. I was so forced. I had, there was so many force on me, what I put myself on me, all this ambitions. And I was running after people I admire, like you, like Anklo, like Anne. And that, there was that hunting. And my inner space was a mess. It was just a mess full of, and right now, I'm in that experience, okay, let's go and just keep the silence in there and it will ex expand. And, but I feel that wish to be somehow with you there, but I still haven't found my place. And so, yeah, this is, <laughs> if you get that, what I mean, this is my question. How to deal I with propose, I propose, thank you, Doris. I would propose that you have a private conversation with Anne Chloe Destremo regarding that. But it turns out that the trainer path is, uh, is not about being so much as it is about pathing. Pathing means going along the path and that's a process. So it's not so much about being as it is as, as it is about being in a process. And so, and it could be just a time for you that's, you need to hang out in being for some years before some process might become useful or beneficial. So that could be, but I encourage you to have that conversation with, and Chloe and also uh, Vera is also part of that. Other people here too. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. My impulse You're also. Welcome. Thank you. Okay. Is that Eula who had your hand up? Go ahead. I feel scared to speak in that huge space. I just realized. And I'm glad that, that Doris just asked about the trainer path because what I was going to say or I'm going to say is also related to the trainer path because I am with this question of like how much of a, well, main space order do these kind of spaces need? And because like in the PM team Leipzig, we're now like experimenting with, there's no main space holder. Like, like every week we decide who's holding space, but it's not like, yeah, anyone kind of defining the space, but the group defining the space, co-create, yes. And we had this experience with, um, I had this experience with Michelle where we spontaneously held a rage club but like all of us together like everyone was just putting something in Naomi was uh, also there and so I'm, I am with this question how to bring that to the trainer path and still have like the purpose of the trainer path and it's yeah I'm like in the space of not knowing and until now I suggested like I'm going to cohort space with Benedict not this week but the next week and try to see if we can like create a co-creating space in there yeah thank you sounds like great experiments <sighs> thank you and it's scaring me <laughs> in 
I, I would like to start in this paragraph that we went into last week on page 128, but I want to go there again because it's so rich, especially with the things we've been talking about today. So I want to, I'm going to start reading from that. The, the first words are sudden reordering, which if you have studied anything from Ilya Prigogine in the theory of dissipative structures, uh, sudden reordering is a characteristic of a dissipative structure and human beings are dissipative structures because a dissipative structure is the kind of structure that is sustained by the energy that flows through it. I think of a hurricane when I think of that because there's this energy that comes around from the, from the winds and the clouds and the air, air temperatures and it makes this spinning, this whole force and, the, and it looks like something you can see, this tornado or this huge hurricane, you can see it from, from space. And it, it's obviously something there, but it is not there unless there's this energy flowing through it. And that's called a dissipative structure. And it turns out that human beings are many kinds of dissipative structures all at once. I think of our memories, for example, because I can remember things from when I was even, I, th I think two and a half years old. I can rem I have memories from being two, two, two and a half years old yet the cells and the structure in my body that that you would think my brain and my nervous system that you would think would be somehow holding these memory patterns all of every one of those cells has been replaced i i hesitate to count how many times be between that original event and the current moment yet i can still remember tastes and sounds and smells and stuff that happened from back then so how does that work? It, it, because these memories are sustained by this energy that goes and supports the memory. And so often people report after being in emotional healing processes, many people report that they can start remembering things that they could not remember before. They have memories of quote unquote good things or bad things or things that happened, but they, we, they had blocked off those memories so many years ago for different reasons. And that when they, when the reasons of needing to block off the memory have been healed or transformed, the memories are already there. They did not go anywhere. And I think that's also proven in hypnosis that you hypnotize someone and they can remember things they didn't know they even memorized. So we are dissipative structures and we have the possibility under certain conditions to suddenly reorder, which means that our structure can go into this liquid state. That's what the section is about, liquid states, and come into, because of the field of influence, can come into a, a higher order of structure. And we're able to do that. That's, that's a part of, it's one of the kinds of transformational or evolutionary processes that we're capable of participating in. So this is, this is amazing stuff. I mean, this is very cool on the outside and on the inside, it's very cool. I mean, these are stories, but it's a, it's a very intense experience 
to be inside the liquid state when you yourself are the liquid state. And yet that's the nature of the evolutionary process and that's our hobby. So that's what we share together. So sudden reordering applies to individuals, to couples, to organizations, to different kinds of relationships. So all of these configurations are able to stay in denial and resist an opportunity to evolve with extreme ferocity. So on the one hand, we have this huge potential to evolve. And at the, on the other hand, we have this, this fer ferocious ability to resist and undermine the evolution of potential, the emergence of potential. So part of your job as a facilitator is to notice the, the mechanisms or the conditions that stand in the way between a person and their potential or a, a situation and its possibility. And given what's wanted and needed to either create more possibility or less possibility, to actually manage possibility. So this is important stuff when you're creating and yourself. When you are in any of these any of these three configurations, meaning as an individual or partnerships or organizations, for example, and evolution is knocking on your door in the form of potential chaos, because that's what a liquid state is. It's a, it's a chaos. You were taught that, quote unquote, the show must go on. You can also use the opposite strategy. Let the show fall apart. Let the show fall apart. And I, I think that you will see this if you look at any of the videos of the, of the coaching processes, the possibility coaching process that we have online at the Create Possibility website. You will see the show fall apart. And it is such a fabulous moment. Like I, when that happens, it used to freak me out. When I first encountered that in myself and other people, I would, I would lose a grip on the status quo. I would lose a grip on, on, on the hierarchy. You know, where am I now? Or how, what's supposed to happen? Or what's true? What's real? What's important? Who am I? How does this go? That would all fall apart. And now when somebody melt, you can just see the show fall apart. It sometimes happens in two seconds. Sometimes we have a little chat first to build a little rapport. And then we ask the right question and the thing just melts down. But when you watch the show fall apart, it's so exciting. It's like, it's relaxing, exciting. It's like, it becomes real. All of a sudden, that the, what's happening in the moment has become real. Before it was a, a structured or a, a negotiated interchange. There's a certain protocol there's the way you do this, the way you don't do it. And then when the show falls apart, wow, it's fresh. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. And the more, the more I've been able to have my center grounding cord and bubble and be present, the more space I'm able to give to the person sitting across from me in the chair to to melt down like because i'm with them so part of me is melting down at the same time that they're melting down so as you're doing a possibility coaching with somebody you're melting down you you are with them 
if you are not with them, it's not a safe space. If you are not with them, you cannot find something to love about them, to hold space for them in the process. So that, you know, that's what needs to happen. Doesn't matter who's sitting across from you. You need to find things to love about them, to be with them. So it's a safe enough place for them to let the show fall apart. And sometimes this can take people some years to build up a matrix or to build up courage or to build up, I don't know, boldness to, 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 to engage that letting the show fall apart. But in these, in these possibility making sessions online, you will see it. You will just see the show fall apart. And it's like part of me just stands up and cheers. And I think that when you watch these per people do that, and I think it was mentioned already, Jeff or somebody said it, it's just like how much courage these people have to do this. And I just stand up and shout. It is just wonderful. It is really such a fabulous thing that we can do with each other. We can do this with each other. And it was not shown to us by the modern patriarchal empire. It was not shown. It's not, it's not demonstrated. If anytime somebody goes into breakdown, it's a problem. And that has to be solved with a psychologist to put you back into the, into the mainstream culture or to get you brain drugs that will take away your condition. So... So we're in this amazing territory that's day after day, year after year, gets more and more rich. And the, in its diversity, it gains, it builds up instability. So it has this diversity and stability that is emerging very fast. The next culture is emerging very fast. And so the more you can radically rely on the context and the, the um, the experience of being in next culture, the more you can inhabit next culture, the more other people can inhabit next culture. So we're building up a field for the emergence of next culture. And that happens through these connections that we make with each other, these critical connections. It's like we build up this field. When we exchange all this stuff, it builds up this field that is for the emergence of next culture. And so, all right, back to the book. I wanna so, add what you said. And, and I, I find that in, in modern culture that people using traditional methods will go to find a diagnosis so they could have the identity of the, the diagnosis instead of just being who they are and accepting who they are. And, and so there's this, this mindset of, of like, there's something wrong with me and I need to fix it. And, uh, and so this work is so powerful because it gets away from, from those, that, that identity of some diagnosis. Can you just talk more about diagnosis in particular with relationship to external authority? Yeah, so to me, the whole, the whole, the whole process of the, um, of the therapist and, and the client or the patient is that the therapist knows more than I know about what's happening with me. And so there's this book this book, right? What's the DSM that has diagnoses. And so the therapist looks for a diagnosis so they can submit it to the insurance company and they can get paid for diagnosing you with something that you may or may not have. And then, and then you're, you're carrying that around. And so, so no matter what's going on, you're saying, oh, well, and, and then it, 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 it takes you out of your own authority. 
Well, I don't, I, I don't have my strength because I'm depressed or I'm bipolar or I, I have trauma. And so you, and you just hold on to that. And, 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 and when I say you, I, I see that as the system creating that, that, that construct of, of people holding on to the identity of their diagnosis. And they wear it. And some people I have observed wear it like a badge. And so the difference with the EHP is there's no hierarchy. There's no hierarchy. There's no, no there's not the space holder saying, this is what you have and this is how to fix it. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, Shannon. Thank you. Yay. Yes, and that the Jeff, you're going to say something. Go ahead. In, in the book, in the book, King Warrior, Magician Lover, um, Robert Moore talks about the shadow side of the magician, which is the one that keeps part of. It's like the trickster or the one that keeps part of their knowledge or their wisdom hidden to keep you coming back for more and it happens with doctors and with lawyers and with my background in medicine like oh boy is it is scary in there yeah thank you you know it's not so it's not so obvious or not so um, acknowledged but quite often in the shamanic tradition that same external authority of secret knowledge that the shaman only holds is a core element of the shamanism and so the way it's set up is your the patient is laid on the table and the great shaman comes in and does the does the stuff and then leaves and the the so that again places the client in being dependent upon the the shaman to come in and do the thing and in the differences in next culture work in next culture healing and transformation work the stuff that's <clears throat> emerging in possibility management amazingly fast is the, the client comes in and the space holder the possibilitator and calls into the the client the ability to do the surgery on themselves, to, to experience, notice, navigate, and empowers the client to do the self-surgeries and the, and the space holder is holding this space. And sure, there's some instructions possibly or some distinctions or watch out for this or try that. But, what, but, the, but the, the possibilitator, the coach is a space holder and is a help, a space navigator. And um, then what happens is is the client turns into the next space holder. And that happens every distinction, one distinction at a time. Every time you get a distinction that somebody doesn't have, you are the space holder for them gaining that possibility and that clarity and that distinction. And so, and that's why this stuff can just, is an empowerment field. It's just, it's, uh, it's a non- uh, empowerment field and and it, it's it's working that's all i can say just works really well clinton you broke up you said it's a non-something empowerment field a non-hierarchical non non-authoritarian 
yeah, empowerment here, yeah. Yeah, and so that's why I was saying before, like Kalista, you know, she went out and held her first emotional healing process. Yeah, <clears throat> call me when you have a hundred. You know, do a hundred emotional healing processes, okay? <clears throat> and and just, just pack them in, just do it because you will learn at least as much as your client does in every space that you're in. No kidding, really, I'm serious. And it's fabulous learning environment, learning journey to do that with each other. And so, yeah, so as soon as you, I'm, more of you could be doing that than you think. And the thing is that after you do, I forget what the recommended number is. There's, and Chloe, you remember the recommended number? How many before you start charging for those? What is it? Five or 10 or whatever? How what many I, is it? I mean, it's like more than that because we are such in a field where there's so many opportunity to hold space because people come up and say, I want an emotional healing process just like happening in the chat. So what I've noticed is that after 50 somehow, it's also like mm. building the matrix in me that I was like, I can do this. I can do this and it has value and I can be paid for it. So it's like, for me, it's like 50, you do 50 coaching for free and you start charging about like a hundred euros or something. And after 50 or a hundred, whatever, of paid coaching, you just charge a normal price, which is 150 to 250 euros. So convert that in your, in your currency um, for a session. And, and that's, the, that's the base price for possibility management trainer or possibility managers coaching. Thank you. So the result of this is that you can stop wasting your time trying to earn enough money to live supporting the values of a corporation. You can quit your corporate job and do what you came here to do. And maybe doing what you came here to do is, is not, it didn't, you know, not ongoing emotional healing processes, but it's definitely a doorway to a whole new space of possibilities. And, and as soon as you, re, you know, you replace your, your uh, need, the amount of money that you need, whatever, you it really, it doesn't take so long as you think, you know, a couple of few months of exactly what we described, you can be doing what you came here to do, like helping people, creating possibility, creating transformation, healing, building next culture, building the game world and the nano nations that you came here to create. That's, you can do that. But if you're trapped in a corporate economic prison system and your energy and your time and your mind gets all sucked into that world, you won't have the energy and time and attention to do what you came here to do. So that's the purpose of uh, one of the purposes of charging for the value that you're giving in your emotional healing processes. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm reading from the book again. Although you were taught that the show must go on, you can also use the opposite strategy. Let the show fall apart. Here's some hints. Stay present. So stay present means having a small now. Well, a lot of us have a now that extends bigger than three seconds on page 128. And it's the, to have a now that's bigger than three seconds, 
means you're thinking about the past, you're being afraid about the future, you're strategizing to accomplish something that you have no power to actually do right now, nothing to do right now. So when you have, so that's what it means to stay present. Stay present, stay involved. So you've got this thing that's collapsing. And one of our automatic reactions to chaos is contraction, is to go away, to pull back, to escape. That's one of our one of our standard strategies. And again, we're saying, instead of keeping the show go on, let the show fall apart and stay with it. Stay on it. Stay in the process. So we have this whole uh, orientation towards staying comfortable or trying to understand or trying to control a situation. When the thing is dropping into chaos, and, and you don't get to you don't get those anymore. You do not get to control. You do not get to understand. You do not get to um, stay comfortable anymore. And so it's a completely opposite uh, pro- approach: is to stay with the the whole thing dropping into chaos. And so the purpose for that is you are with the elements. You know, when things fall apart, they fall into fluid elements. When you, when you stay with it, you are with elements. And that means that gestures that you make, moves that you make, things you say, things you, you do have an effect. But if you're away, if you're separated from the chaos, then you're over here. You, you know, you've got this box or this uh, gremlin part of yourself standing over here and your, your inner workings are, are melting down. You can't do anything with it. You cannot negotiate the collapse. You cannot actually be in the avalanche or the, the tornado. You're not in it. You don't, you're not close enough to the thing to, to, to navigate it. And you need to be right on top of it to navigate. And so navigate is not control. Navigate is not meaning uh, make it comfortable. It means to go with. So the, the hints are stay present stay involved with the thing as it's falling apart and keep breathing, just keep breathing and help take the whole thing into breakdown. So it's almost like, all right, I can let my my financial, my I can let my relationship fall into breakdown, but just not my finances. I can let, you know, I take away my, Take away my uh, mm, garden, but don't touch my uh, secret addiction to alcohol or um, drugs. You know, don't let that fall apart. Or like we have these secret lives, these little parts that when that we want to, we like hold on like this, like when I was talking about this process that will go online soon. It was like, he said, you know, let these different parts of my life fall apart, but don't let my, my skill base in manipulating hierarchies fall apart. Do not let that fall apart. You know, so those little holdouts, our little secret lives are not so little, it turns out. <clears throat> it's sort of like, okay, put up all the sales, you know, and, and everybody, okay, we're going to put up, you know, here we go to go sailing and you, and you leave the anchor in buried in the rocks in the sand under the water. 
That's what you're doing. These little holdouts are the anchor. And, and so it looks like on the surface, you're doing all this stuff to, to create healing and transformation. You're not going anywhere because you have these, this, your bank account in, in the Seychelles Islands or something that has all these Bitcoins in it that you're going to preserve as your nest egg for, for, you know, like your future. Like your future is your Bitcoin account, but you're going to let everything else fall apart. Sorry, you know, this is the anchor. And so what I'm saying, all I'm saying is when, when the thing starts falling apart, go with it and then help the show fall apart. It's basically throw gasoline on the fire. That's what it's saying. Because imagine a, a phoenix bird. <clears throat> you know, so a phoenix bird, there's a great uh, rendition of it and Chloe chopped it out of some Harry Potter movie. We have it somewhere. It's this, you see this phoenix bird, he just starts catching on fire. And, and so the thing is, imagine the phoenix bird catching on fire, but he doesn't want his wing to burn. So he burns all away, and then you have this wing laying there. You know, it's just this laying kind of on the side. He preserved his wing. Okay, well, when the new phoenix bird comes out, he won't have the wing. He won't have the ashes that he needed to rebuild a new form of wing out of. Because we saved, you know, he saved it over on the side. So then you have a crippled phoenix bird coming out of the ashes. Not a pretty sight. It is not a pretty sight. And it's even a more painful experience. And probably a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You know, so the idea here is when the thing starts burning, throw everything in the fire. Like let the thing burn. And the, the, there's, there's, there's an old saying, Groff, Stan Groff, I think, said he's a, I don't, a, tra a transpersonal psychologist or something, Stan Groff, I don't really know. He, he said, like, that which is essential, that which is true cannot burn. The stuff that is true won't burn. So throw everything in. Just throw everything in. And what's left is the true stuff. It's the real stuff. And, and so this is, uh, this is, these are secrets. These are hard earned secrets. I mean, personally, I've done this to myself about six or seven times in this life. You know, if I did not do that, I would still be an electromechanical engineer in Northern California and computer effects company building electrophoresis, polyphase electrophoresis machines for the DNA research. And I'd be a millionaire. So, you know, you know, I, so I let that thing collapse. I took the entire thing to break down, really. I remember bringing my, carrying my boxes of, of neurotically organized nuts and bolts and fasteners in these little plastic containers. And I carry this whole box full of them. My, my secret weapons for doing this electromechanical work, I carried them over to my partner, Alan Friedman, and I gave them to him. And I said, I don't need this anymore. And my whole career had been built out of being a special, I was a solder jockey. I could, I could solder tiny little uh, microchips onto, onto multi-level multi circuit boards and, and nobody knew how I could do it with hands like this, you know, giant hands, but I could do it. There's some tricks, but that's a different talk. Anyway, so, so I let, and I let it fall apart and he goes, you can't do that. You, what are you gonna do? And I go, I'm at this point, I said, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna 
join a multi-level marketing skin cream company and become a millionaire. Of course, it didn't work. You know, I lost $50,000 and I, all my credit cards were maxed out. And so anyway, but, but I just crashed the whole thing. And, and so, but if I didn't do that, I, I wouldn't have my life. So I think you know what I'm talking about. You could all probably tell stories like that. So the thing is, throw it all in. Throw the, everything, let, let the show fall apart, stay present, stay involved, keep breathing, and take the whole system into breakdown. By intentionally navigating directly into the liquid state instead of away from it, you can save yourself a lot of grief caused by waiting for some accidental circumstances to build up and then force you into even a bigger breakdown, like to force you into breakdown. You know, people get diseases, people get raped and almost murdered. People, you know, get car crashes and these horrible hammers from the universe <laughs> on your life so that just so you could be, enter a liquid state. So you don't, yeah, you don't have to do that. Okay, that was a paragraph. Anything else about that right now? It's the third time we've read this paragraph. I can't explain it. I'll keep reading then. When doing the experiment of heading for the liquid state, you know, instead of away from it, you head towards it. When, when doing the experiment of heading for the liquid state, remember that it is your box that goes into the liquid state, not you. You have a box, you are not your box. What you actually are cannot go into the liquid state because you're already in the liquid, you are a liquid state. What you are is a liquid state. And, but if you're identified with your box and it goes in a liquid state, it feels like your world is falling apart. But if you remember, you have a box and it's the box that goes in the liquid state, that is helpful. If you include the liquid state in your concept of the experience of being human, of being in relationship, or of being in an organization like a family or a neighborhood or a company or project or a nano nation, if you include the liquid state in your concept of that, then nothing is wrong or bad about the liquid states. The liquid state is the way of relationship. Think about that. You know, most of us basically in relationship, we try, we have this picture of what a relationship should be or the kind of relationship we want or how we think you know, a good relationship is. And we think we can achieve a steady state, good relationship. And then people can look up to us and our parents can be proud of us. And it can be a solid, real, real relationship. Love, love everlasting, something like this. And we have this, it's easy to comprehend or to understand some kind of an, a model like that. And then we, and then, that does not include the liquid state. There's no liquid state in that. You know, it's, we're trying to repair our relationship or fix our relationship or discuss our, you know, trying to 
make our relationship back into this delusion, the solid state fantasy world of relationship, instead of surfing the liquid states. So we, if you're with somebody, then you, you're basically finding somebody who can surf relationship liquid states in a, in a similar way that you do. Like somehow, if you look at surfers, they kind of bunch up. You know, the surfers have the big waves, the surfers that have the little waves, the surfers on the big boards, the small boards, the, the sail boards. You know, there's different kinds of surfing you can do. Well, they bunch up because they just have a preference to a certain style of surfing. And that's kind of, you can look at relationship like that. If you're with somebody, you guys can surf relationship liquid states in a similar style like that. Some people like cold water surfing, some people like hot water surfing. So if you include the liquid state in your concept of the experience of relationship, then nothing is wrong or bad about a liquid state. The liquid state is the way. The purpose of relationship is evolution. So when authentic liquid states arise, it is just a sign that you have an opportunity to evolve. Liquid evolution's happening. Liquid states can be authentic or inauthentic. This is a, a useful distinction. How many times have you gone through what you hoped was a transformational learning process only to find that nothing changed. So you probably had that experience. Perhaps the reason there was no sustained change is that the process did not take you through an authentic liquid state. Crying or rage, chaos or confusion, conflict or breakdown, these may or may not be signs of an authentic liquid state. On the surface, many signs of irresponsible interaction can look as if they are authentic liquid states, but they are not. You know, many kinds of gremlin feeding and gremlin feeding frenzies look like, on the surface, they look like some kind of liquid state happening, but it's just a, a gremlin feeding frenzy. Determining the authenticity of a liquid state requires looking at the total overall picture, the overall results. If evolution has occurred after the interaction or the meeting and responsible changes resulted, then the liquid state was authentic. If nothing changed, if time and energy were wasted, or if the liquid state simply repeated itself at a later date, the liquid state was not authentic. Knowing the distinction between authentic and inauthentic liquid states, the next time you are involved in a liquid state situation, you can start sensing into the intention vector of the liquid state to determine instantly at its beginning if the liquid state is authentic or not. You can sense along the line of people's intention. You can also sense along the line of your own intention. It's not so easy, but you can do it. You can feel out along the purpose of subtle actions. 
You can feel along the purpose of subtle actions and detect the responsibility in the tones of the voice, in feelings, and in the momentum of actions. You can sense the responsibility of it, the purpose of it. You can sense that. These things are easy to sense when you are close in. It's easy to sense, and not in a fantasy world. You're on it. You're in it. It's easy to sense. You don't have to be naive. After a while, you can learn to detect the authenticity authenticity of a liquid state even before it starts. You can feel a thing brewing. You can feel a mood shift in one person or the other. What is the purpose of the mood shift? And if that comes into a liquid state, some conflict, you go, that's not it. That's, a, that's something else. That isn't, you know, that's a, grim, a gremlin thing, a demon thing. It's a low, low drama thing. It's not going to be uh, authentic liquid state. The ability to detect such authenticity grows out of becoming authentic yourself. Well, that's easy to say, it's not so easy to do. I just want to mention there's a pattern that is uh, common in many, too many relationships. It's called fight and fuck. And so the way it goes is people are sort of numb in their heads, busy, kind of not connected, really not connected. And there's a part that wants to be connected, but it's not, it's not able to negotiate connection. And so what happens is, is the gremlin starts creating a fight, creating a conflict, and it's an attack, it's a withdrawal, it's a, it's a subterfuge, a betrayal, it's some, some kind of, it creates this fight. And the fight goes, it's vicious. The fight is vicious, it's mean, it's hard, it's cold, it's hard-hearted, it's, it's, a, it's a nasty comments, these are judgments and criticisms and projections of stories and expectations and all this stuff. And that turns into a kind of intimacy. And then with that intimacy in the, in the, in the shards of, of the intimacy, then sex happens and, and then it's over. And then it then goes back to being cold and solidifying again. And it goes through this cycle called fight and fuck. And so if you're in that kind of a pattern, I recommend you get out of it because it uses up a lot of energy and it also uses up a lot of trust in a certain way. It's like your riskiness to be willing to do vulnerability experiments gets toughened like with a meat hammer, one of those tenderizing hammers. You're doing fight and fuck, it's like hitting yourself with a meat tenderizing hammer. And your nervous system gets really desensitized or something. Really, it's a shocking, it's a shocking situation. And so if you're in this kind of a cycle, I, um, the only way I know really out of it is cold turkey. It's you cold turkey on the, the fighting and you cold turkey on the sex and you let something else emerge and you need support for that. So get yourself a team and uh, go through it. it. Can take a year, it can take six months or a year to get out of that pattern into something else. And it's really worth getting into something else and Chloe Destromo. While you were saying that, 
I was thinking that I think it there's also this kind of patterns in friendship or in team in teamwork and it's maybe it doesn't lead to you know sex but it leads to the it's this like hard fighting attacking blah 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 and then this mushy we all love each other uh blah blah, blah. and and mm-hmm. and i think that yeah i never thought about it but i think it it happens also like not not only in romantic relationship what is your recommendation doctor cold turkey you said it <laughs> <laughs> how do you take a team into cold turkey on something like that my if, i mean for a team is if the ability to take a whole team into breakdown into then like like you say like bathe in the liquid state and how actually vulnerable and connected and loving when we all in a liquid state together can be and try to have this experience or give this experience to the team as mm, this is possible instead of that and, and then it becomes this like more experiential choice of you can keep try to have, have this gremlin basically this like channel one channel two gremlin like channel one attack channel two adaptive or mushy thing and yeah just provide a different experience and 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 then then you get a you get a choice and then if the team wants to keep doing you know fighting fucker or then whatever the choice is there or has been given Thank you. Vera and then Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Also to add that to take a team through a liquid state and to not to to not wrap it up in a there is a tendency for uh, group processes and, and facilitators to like wrap it up in a way that everybody loves each other to like so that people come out feeling good or something or with appreciation. And I think there's a lot of value of really just to like you, Clinton, you said to, to really let it crash and stay in that in that liquid state, and and to not be so quick to to even go into the loving uh, each other uh, to to because I saw this a lot of times in in Finhorn and in communities. This we can't break up. Like breaking up is the worst thing, and so uh, there's a breakdown. And quick, 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 quick. We need to find why why we're together, why we're we're still doing this, and uh, let's find bridges for the next step. And and the the liquid state needs to work through the people. It needs to really. Sometimes it takes even like a week, and so to not to not to to really allow the the pain and the liquid, the groundlessness to, to work through each individual, even before the being together in that intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Jeff. Yeah. So that this kind of thing would happen in my consulting firm quite a bit. And, um, my strategy, which worked was to, to, um, to, to bring it up in a facilitated conversation, like bring the topic of it happening up and to, 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 to frame that, you know, you first have to talk about this concept of like the, the storm 
and like you know that you know we don't have like it's like what, what Vera said like we don't have to we don't have to be like all nice and cuddly all the time and and sometimes we're gonna we're gonna like fucking hate each other and like we just got to be able to sit with that and then talk about it just like present like you know the sort of meta conversation thing like like look this is happening and i, I let's you know i want to understand why or or i want to just you know i don't know why and and i want to talk I just us to talk about it and it it, it works Thank you. Thank you. If this kind of organizational approach interests you, you might want to check out the touristechnology.org website because one of the particularly one of my favorite processes is just called poop on the table. And if it's a a lot of times we have this natural let's make everything look good or nice tendency and so we have a habit of sweeping the poop under the rug, put the dirt under the rug, hide it, put it back in the corner, and just you know walk in the main central path. The corners start building up with with crap, with, with unfinished conflicts, emotions that are incomplete. It's, it builds up like that, and then it comes into this huge crash, and so. The idea of just poop on the table is have it part of your ordinary everyday conversation is what's what's the poop? You say instead of saying what's up, you say what's the poop? And so everybody just keeps putting the poop on the table. And it's it turns out that almost every piece of poop is an opportunity for evolution or transformation or healing or reconnection. Almost every piece of poop is a doorway to, to a new opportunity. And so this is where your scatology, your your, your poopology um, people have a, you use your poop detector, your crap detector, your bullshit detector actually. And, and you know, certain certain poops have higher qualities of and the bullshit factor than others. And so you have to prioritize your bullshit that shows up on the table as poop. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. So I'm sorry, I just wanted to uh, check it out. But anyway, poop on the table is important. Go ahead, Vareth, save me. So <laughs> save you. No, for me, it's it's uh, when I'm uh, in doing trainings and uh, pe put people in groups of threes and then there's a coach, a possibilitator and a, and a client. Uh, a lot of the times I want to coach the coaches to be better coaches is to when you have an impulse, just stop before you know what it is. So it's the same thing for me for the bullshit detector. You have a little like, just stop it. Just, okay, there's some bullshit here. And instead of uh, overthinking is what, what kind of bullshit is happening uh, and then just put it because it might be your own bullshit also on the table. And then that's all that also has value. So just follow the impulse and stop, stop it happening. Yeah, thanks. There's this other impulse to try to figure it all out in your own mind and have a solution. You're trying to put a solution on the table instead of the poop on the table. And then you don't get to use group intelligence at the using the manure as, as fertilizer for new evolutions. But you try to figure out, you try to make a bouquet, everything's finished and wrapped up with a bow on top. And you you kill you kill the poop with your solutions. And it doesn't usually doesn't work very well. 
but it's a tendency. I don't know. I have had that tendency to try to give solutions. So, yeah. Okay. Somebody else, anything else right now? The, the way this is working is, uh, just so you know, is that I, I can't see everybody. So if you're putting your hand up and I can't see you, you just start talking when, the, when we say, anybody have something to say, you just start talking because I can't see everybody's hand. Thank you. So you're kidding me. We're going to start section 6G on authenticity then. We're going to jump completely to the next page, page 129. This is this is a, a shocking thing. We're leaving page 128 after three weeks. Okay. Appropriately, this section is 6G and it's titled Authenticity. So you thought we were through with authenticity? No, ma'am. We are just beginning. Just beginning this. The gateway from ordinary human relationship to extraordinary human relationship is through the bright principle of authenticity. That's a bold statement. I, I don't know that I'd make it today, but let's go with the author, okay? We'll just we'll just ride this thing out and see where he takes us. Quote unquote, authenticity is one of those weighty words we might unknowingly avoid in our casual conversations, along with words like commitment, integrity, or accountability. There is no way to wrap our mind around authenticity. We're not trained to endure the intensity of authenticity in our relationships because with authenticity, the edges of our box are in our face. You know, the constraints of our box, the rules, the have tos, I can't do it any other way, all the beliefs, the, all that stuff from the box, it's in your face. Authentic experience is typically very raw. It's a very raw experience. We feel embarrassed, possibly uncertain. We do not know what to say. So here's, this is an amazing thing. In, if you're being authentic, you do not know what to say. So this is usually a horrifying experience. Many of us actually rehearse things we're going to say in our mind before we say them so that we are sure that we know what to say when we say it. And if we don't know what we're going to say, we don't say anything. And that's why our conversations are pretty dead and we watch so much TV or something like that. So this experience of not knowing what to say is the doorway to saying something authentic. Because if you don't know what to say, then, then what you say does not come out of your, your mind, it doesn't come out of your box. It doesn't come out of a rehearsed script. It comes out of this space of opportunity, this space of Dance, the space of negotiating dance, of play, comes out of creation. So this thing that you say next has no history behind it. This is not a continuation of a conversation that you've been having for the last three years with this person. It isn't the same old poop every day. 
It's some, so when you, when you don't know what you're going to say, it's fresh. What you're saying is fresh. It's just hatched. It's a baby. It's sprouted. So then you, I could go on. But this, what I'm saying is that there's an immense richness of possibility about how interactions can go if you don't know what you're going to say. And this is just a very weird feeling, but you can learn to get accustomed to it. It doesn't take more than a few months to let, to speak from the unknown. There's a great website called Speak From the Unknown. And it's a, uh, we, we discovered the, the words for that only about a year ago, but uh, I've been using it ever since. And I think a lot of people, as soon as you get this, it is the unknown is such a rich source. What you do is basically, you basically are talking with somebody and, and a, an idea comes up or a word or what to say next. You're looking for a word and a word comes up. You don't say that one. The first word that comes up to say, you don't say it. You just wait. And it will fade out. It only takes like half a second for that word to fade out. And then there's this gap. And there's a gap where there's nothing. And you just wait. And another half a second goes by. And all of a sudden, another word comes in. And you don't know really where it came from. It came out of the void. It came from the unknown. And don't say that one either. And then, then by now, your thoughts are really lost. Because you're not, you're not able to follow a train of thought. The red thread is gone. You have cut the red thread. And all of a sudden, you have a possibility to say something that even surprises you. So the third thing that comes around, just say it. And, and then you don't know what's going to be after that. But you let the momentum of the third thing that you say uh, follow on itself. Actually, Terry Pratchett talks about this. Terry Pratchett in the Tiffany Aching series of books, which are highly recommended for you guys. Tiffany Aching, there's five or six books in the Tiffany Aching series of the Terry Pratchett uh, book series. <clears throat> uh, because he talks about second thoughts. You know, we had, there's a phrase in English called second thoughts. It's like, it's like you're gonna say something, but then you have a thought about it, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Or what will happen if I say this? Or do I really wanna say this? These are called second thoughts. You know what, I, you've heard that before. I've had second thoughts about this. Okay, when he says there are third thoughts and it's the third thoughts that you wanna let rip. They're the ones you can come through. Third thoughts, fourth thoughts. It's the same kind of thing. It's you let, but see, if you get it that, what, where this stuff comes from is the unknown and you start using the unknown as a resource, as an ally. And before, if you went to school, the unknown is your enemy. In school, if the teacher asks you a question and you don't know, you, you lose. In that game, you are destroyed. They destroy you in that case. You have failed. The objective is to know. And that's what these, you know, a trivia game. It's like you're supposed to know all, everything. So, but to go into the not knowing, all of a sudden, I mean, think about it. What's bigger? The space in which you can put all the stuff that you know, or the space of all the stuff you don't know, which space is bigger. And then you decide, 
well, which space do you want to have access to? Like the stuff that you know is a tiny little prison. It's a, it's a confinement space to bounce around inside of a, a little cubicle of all that you know. I'm sure you've been around people like that where they can only talk about what they've already talked about before. You can only talk about what they know. So if you hang around them for more than three or five minutes, you've heard half their stories already. And then they just keep repeating themselves in various different ways. And, and I'm sure you know people like that. Well, you do not have to be one of those people. You don't. You could be somebody, are you gonna say something, Vera? You, you, are you trying to say something? After you end that sentence, part of the hey, sentence. It's, I can end it anytime because well, okay, it's coming out of the unknown. It's hint, it's, it, but it's a hint about what you said to say the, not the first thing, the second thing, and to because people move into this gap in this silence. And what I've seen is that some people freeze. And, oh. and, so, and, that, and that freezing stops them from, from, or kind of makes a little kind of fog for the second or the third thought to come in. And what I've noticed is that that is, the, that is the skill of navigating back into liquid state and to stay in that gap instead of giving into some kind of unconscious story that comes from what you were saying, which is the school. I have to say something. I have to say something smart. Whatever the sentence, the unconscious belief it is that, um, that is, is coming in that, that starts the freezing process. So it could be that the, to go through emotional healing, if you freeze when you get into that gap, there to get a gateway for an emotional healing process. And once you've done a, maybe a layer or two, you will find a space that you can navigate back into, into that, uh, not into the freeze, but out of the freeze into, into the, the, that commitment that I am here and I'm going to speak. Whatever happens, I am going to speak. And I'm not going to say this first thing and I'm not, without making any stories about it. So the, the, the navigating back into the liquid state is to be in that space of the gap without making stories about it and just speak. And so for that, it needs some emotional healing processes and that navigation to the liquid state that you were talking about. And you're available for those liquid state, for those emotional healing processes, right? Yes, yes, recorded. I, I, thought, what, I thought what you were gonna say was, when you fall into this gap, whenever you get up to one of those gaps, make sure you have one of these battery powered hair dryers. So as soon as you start freezing up, you just turn around and go. Exactly. Well, you know, you just found another um, energetic tool. Unfreeze. Okay. Go. Right. The unfreezer. You just, the hair dryer, you just put it on yourself. You unfreeze yourself. There we go. And you especially need it in the gap. Yeah. Before any stories come in, just like already go there. I think the stories, I think the story thing is more like a fly swatter. You have to like whack those stories with a fly swatter or a voice blaster. God, are we getting scattered or what? What? People experiment, do experiments and tell us what, what was the best unfreezing uh, energetic tool of navigation and then tell us about it. Thank you. Anybody else need to say anything right now in terms of anything or nothing, I mean? Okay. We can't hear you. No, I was saying Ingrid's talking, now? but we can't hear her. Can, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, it's back. Okay. Yes. yes. 
uh, I wanted to say that for me, one tool is really uh, that I started a PM team uh, where I'm the space holder. So, so uh, uh, there I need to navigate and I need to be in this gap and, uh, and to get familiar to that and to, yeah. And, and, and it's, I love it. I really, I, uh, I started my PM team the, the 1st of December. So it's now almost three months. And uh, I really notice a difference from me. Um, I, I put off the American um. <laughs> I, I noticed the difference from me to be joyful in a space of not knowing and waiting and yeah, just being in the search of something and let it come through me. This is so beautiful, simply so beautiful. Thank you. In the book, it says this thing about uh, in authenticity, the edges of your box are in your face, which means the edges of inauthenticity of in our face. Edges of inauthenticity are in our face, and then we feel embarrassed or uncertain. We do not know what to say. Unmitigated presence is not our usual abode. Just simple presence, you know, un, unfiltered presence is not the usual place we live. So we tend to let authenticity slide by when being together, just like we let time slide by when we're watching television. The way to learn to tolerate, wait, the way we tolerate abandoning authenticity, okay. The way we learn to tolerate abandoning our authenticity is by not cherishing the true value that authenticity creates. Authenticity creates a kind of true value and we abandon that. The difficulty arises when we observe that appreciating relational authenticity often involves experiencing what is commonly regarded as pain. And by that we mean emotional pain, emotional body sensations, emotional body sensations. In ordinary human relationship, emotional body sensations are problematical. But in extraordinary human relationship, Emotional body sensations liberate the wisdom and power of your emotional body, which is your feelings and emotions. So I would like to say something for that. Go yeah. ahead. Who is this, Matthias or Marek? Marek, yeah. Hello, Marek. Go ahead. 
it makes me very happy. I was two days ago, I was sending a message to a friend and I was writing, I am, I'm looking for the way what is good for me. And um, I don't know what, but I feel this pain in my, in my chest and I'm letting myself guide it, like to guide, be guided by it. And it's, um, it's since a couple of weeks, I'd actually say it's the most powerful thing for me for intimacy is that if this crack opens and it just feels more burning and burning, I feel the depth is deepening like of every relationship I have. And, and it's so cool. Like, mm. yeah, it's, it's so simple and it's always the same. So I can, I start trusting it more and more and more and invite also other people. So, so then another friend says, oh, this is so painful. And I say, this is great. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to share that, thanks. Thank you, Mark. Mark, have you, have you learned yet to decide to distinguish experientially what kind of pain it is? Like, is it anger? Is it sadness? Is it fear? Can you, have you learned to distinguish what flavor it is? Um, in experiments, yeah. But so far, like in the situations, I would, I would say I'm not like fast enough. To... Yeah, so it's possible to ask your friends to just give you a little time keep sensing and give each other this little time it's it's much slower than the brain it takes a little much not so much time but a little time and go what is this actually you can talk it'll talk to you it will talk to you say heart what do you have for me and it can tell you if it's anger or sadness or fear or joy or a mixed emotion yeah and we'll be getting into that in the book further but if you can just start that experiment, you can go, God, this thing is, ah, oh, it's intense. And you share that with somebody. You go, okay, what is, which flavor is yours? Yeah. Which flavor? And you go, okay, there's four possible basic flavors, anger or sadness or fear or joy or mixed together. Mm -hmm. And then that's a great step if you guys want to keep experimenting like that. Cool. Thank you. Great, thanks for sharing. Cool, thank you. I'm still reading, even though we have only five minutes left. Does anybody, since there's so little time right now, does somebody wanna share anything or say anything right now? Yeah, I do. Um I'm, um, I've been really faded out the last bunch of times, I think, and uh, just wanted to acknowledge that in the name of authenticity and uh, noticing the pain of, of like not wanting to be seen and not wanting to be, not feeling myself very present but still wanting to be connected somehow. And uh, yeah, just wanted to say that in, because I do feel connected and even 
through my, my disconnection. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Anybody else? I have something coming up. And so when the Vera talk about this gap, I think part of it is because we are being adaptive to that I, when it happens to me, I'm becoming adaptive to the person in front of me because I, I put it on, I put him on a pedestal or I, I glorify them before that. And then when I'm talking to this person and it's because he's in the patriarchy, in, in my imaginary story about him is, is, is in a higher rank than me or something that it happens to me that I'm, I'm freezing. We're talking about because I'm, I'm being adaptive to him. And the, for me, part of it is to discover one good, good boy box that is in play there and, and become more, more of an asshole in that moment. So when this gap happens, I, I can hold it. And I'm, I'm, for me, it's like, all my senses are telling me to be nice. For example, when someone asks me, where are you from? And it's such a, like, they just want to, to have an easy conversation. So I just, I just freeze there. I'm waiting for this. And I hold it because, you know, I don't have to be in my, I'm, I'm stopping my nice box. And then the moment I can improvise something else and say something else. So I can, I can go, for example, what the purpose of your question or to start to just tell a story about my grandma or something like that. And so I use this gap for a few seconds and then the third thing come to mind, like the thoughts. Thank you. Next door. Any last words for us? Yeah, thank you, Clinton, for the... Okay. Hear me? Carola? Yes, who's speaking? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for the um, little exercise or meditation in the beginning, which really made me feel more connected to the group and to myself. Which exercise was that? Uh, just the grounding cord, the bubble, the ah. golden, how do you call it? Golden drop thing. Pearls, yeah. Pearls. Okay, great, thank you. Thank you. And for me, Clinton, this has been one of the best Monday call study groups ever for me. I just really want to appreciate 
you and everything that was shared here. It's a very big one. Thank you. Thank you. Clinton, thank you for your work. Yeah. Clinton, I would like to volunteer for a recording EHP. Um, Vera, Patricio, yourself, or someone who I don't know would work for me. Please go, please go to the createpossibility.mystrikingly.com website. You will find yep. you will find people's uh, links. You'll find be able to how to talk to them and just write a, a telegram message or something like that to that person, whoever you who you choose. Thank you. you yeah, you're welcome. Great. Okay, everyone, I am sad to close this space, although I feel full and enriched. And I was happy to spend this time with you, even though I've spent so many hours on my butt today in front of the screen. So thank you for being there for each other, and for experimenting, playing full out. And see you next week or before. Bye-bye.